0: It is Friday, and uh, thought we would dig into a fun theological topic for this Friday. Uh, with all the uh, the things happening, the, the current events happening, some might be asking questions about: Is this the end times? What are these things being? Um, how do we interpret these these current events? Do they mean something significant? Are there biblical prophecies about these? events that are happening. We're going to dig into that here in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Joel Lehambauer is Director for the LCMS Commission on Theology and Church Relations. Dr. Lehambauer, thanks for being our guest on the
2: Coffee Hour. My pleasure. I'm glad we got this in before the end. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) literally.
1: There's
0: still time. <laughs> I'm so glad that you are up for this conversation today, as we look at the uh, the topic of the end times. I think there's a, another word, a more theological word for it, called eschatology, right? You're you're the guy, Andy. <laughs> well, 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 looking with uh, looking at all the things happening around us, some might ask: uh, are, are these events a sign that the end times are near? Social unrest, wars, famines, and plagues, and um, all all these uh, natural disasters happening. Some might be asking that question. Um, Why do we always, why do we often start thinking that that's a sign of the end times? What do you think, Pastor?
2: Well, I think probably the best answer to that question is when we think that way, we're thinking correctly, really, because the Bible itself does point to. Uh, those kinds of things, uh, disasters, unrest, various kinds of trouble and tribulation as signs of the end times. So if you make that connection, it may well be because you're a good Bible student and you're thinking correctly. Uh, now you have to sort out you know, how to understand and interpret what the Bible says about the signs of the end. But I think it's perfectly appropriate to start thinking that way when things like, we have going on around us are going on around us. In fact, I would say the Bible wants us to, to see those things and think of its teaching on the end times.
1: Mm-hmm. What are the uh, different uh, understandings? Are there different understandings and teachings uh, and interpretations of the the biblical uh, prophecy of the end times?
2: Well, certainly there are. And I, I think most Christians out there who are Paying attention and have other Christian friends or connections with other churches or Christians in those churches are at least kind of implicitly aware uh, when this subject comes up. But but that's boy that doesn't sound like what I was taught in confirmation class or or what my church believes, and and that that whole subject can get easily fairly technical because there are actually quite a few different. Views of the end times, we could talk about probably the most common uh, among, let's say, in, you know, many Baptist churches or evangelical churches is what's called technically dispensational premillennialism. And so already you're getting some terms, Andy, that's even bigger than eschatology. Right? <laughs> um, and, you know, it takes a little unpacking to explain what that means, but um, it basically views uh the, the, the entire history of the world in in dispensations or periods of time that are taken rather literally. And in fact, I use the word literally, one of the problems from our perspective as Lutherans with the whole understanding of dispensational premillennialism is that they actually take too literally or too literalistically uh, some teachings of the Bible and try to match them up. With specific historical events and entities, it gets into your understanding of Israel. You know, obviously, it, Israel is a very important topic in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. But what what does the Bible mean in different places, and especially in places where there's prophetic talk about Israel? And so you have to kind of unpack all of that. But you know, this is the view where there's a lot of talk at times like this about the the tribulation or the great tribulation about the antichrist about christ returning and and setting up his earthly kingdom uh about what's going on in the in the middle east in actual geographical areas over there which uh most dispensationalists would say uh what's happening there is critical to literal fulfillment of prophecies that are in the bible so that's that's one major view and there are others but the others probably aren't nearly as prominent today there's there's another view called historic premillennialism that is a little bit of a different twist on dispensationalism and then there's postmillennialism which is kind of the reverse opposite of of dispensationalism but I'll rather than go into details about all of that I will tell you that the the classic Lutheran view, and it's not only Lutherans who believe this, but the classic Lutheran view is actually called "ah" millennialism and the, the prefix, ah, means no. So what that means is not that we don't believe in, and millennialism you probably can figure out means thousand, you know? So it doesn't mean we don't believe What the Bible says in those couple of places where it talks about a thousand years or a thousand year reign of Christ, what it does mean is we don't take that thousand year reference in the Bible literally as if it means a thousand literal years. We take it symbolically and we do that with eyes wide open and unapologetically on the basis of our understanding that there are actually some and really many references in the Bible that properly should be taken symbolically and not literally, that that's the way the Holy Spirit means us to understand them. And much of the book of Revelation reads that way for us. These are symbols, images, they definitely mean something. They are, they are true. They are the quote-unquote literal word of God, but to understand them properly and really literally the way they were meant to be understand, you have to understand them as images and symbols, not as literalistic events or, or, you know, I want to say beasts and things like that, you know, because there's everyone kind of has some exposure to the book of revelation talks about horses and dragons and Mm -hmm. things with many heads and, and to try to press that into some literal vision of what the end will look like. We say, we'll get you all tangled up and, and headed in the wrong direction.
1: Mm -hmm. Have these views changed over the years at all I mean if we talk about a literal thousand years we're in the year twenty twenty now so that's been two thousand years I, I have have these views changed uh, and and maybe um shifted at all over the years as thing as as the end times haven't happened yet
2: individual theologians who have opined about these things especially those who have subscribed to some kind of um dispensationalist view or millennialist view that we would disagree with, individual theologians certainly have had to revise their views because books have been written that have made claims that have been proven to be historically wrong, you know, uh, even specific predictions. I, I remember um, my first call as a pastor was to Hillsdale, Michigan. I went there in 1985, and I'll never forget in 1988, there started to circulate a little pamphlet um, that was called 88 Reasons Christ Will Return in 1988. <laughs> now, it sounds kind of crazy, uh, and even specific dates were attached to it, uh, three days specifically. It'll either be on September 11th, 12th, or 13th, which was the that year, the Jewish festival of Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. So you see how, you know, Jewish... Israel kinds of things get wrapped up so often. But I'll tell you what, as crazy as it sounds, uh, that booklet in the area that I was in caused a lot of confusion and literal damage. And there were even people in my congregation that got caught up in it and and just believed that Christ was going to come. We had people in the little town of Hillsdale where I was, it wasn't even that little of a town, but who, who just sold their businesses. And and just said, there's no point in me, you know, worrying about this anymore, because Jesus is going to come back at this time. And so and obviously, as far as I know, it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that happening. And the life went on. But it was. Um, and so that particular author can't even remember his name at the moment. Uh, you could Google it. You could probably find it. Um, certainly had to revise his view and then was sort of disgraced and, and uh, you know, I don't think he ever tried again. Um, But those are the kinds of things that can happen. And really, really lives were ruined um, by those kinds of false teaching. And that that's kind of a basic uh, false teaching that goes against the Bible, which tells us very clearly that no man knows the day or hour. Right Mm -hmm. now, some of these people get around that saying, Well, I'm not predicting the exact day. I'm, I, I got a three day range, you know. Um, <laughs> so it shows how you can play around um, with biblical mandates and warnings like that. But those kinds of things have cropped up all through history. And each time, of course, they've been proven wrong. Um, but it's part of the reason I think. You know, you thought it would be a good idea to talk about this today because people all are are very vulnerable. I would say at a time like this, when when they're scared, when there is confusion, they're looking for some kind of certainty. And rather than to ground that certainty in the promises of grace and God's presence and the gospel in Christ, like we emphasize as Lutherans, sometimes they would look for that certainty in 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 historical realities that they can convince themselves are. True, but but really aren't. And
0: I want to get more into the truth here in just a moment. In when we get into the second half of the program today, but let's just spend a little more time in the confusing stuff just for another minute. Um, not long after 1988, in the 90s, came along a popular series. It was first a book series and then made into several movies. And I know I think we've talked about it on some programs here on, on KFUO, and that would be uh, the Left Behind books from Tim LaHaye and then um some movies were later on made based on those same books. They were popular, um, uh, but what was the the, the the is there a key problem with these books and these movies?
2: Yeah, there is, and it's sort of the the problem that I referenced earlier. It the books attempt to interpret literally. Uh, numbers and events and prophecies that we as Lutherans are convinced are intended to be taken uh, symbolically or figuratively or typologically, at least not in a literalistic way. And so you just start to get all kinds of crazy sounding things, at least to us as Lutherans, they sound kind of crazy. Uh, When you go into the book of Revelation or even Old Testament books like Ezekiel with all their uh, kind of almost impossible to imagine descriptions and events and, you know, horses uh, riding around and up to their knees in blood and, you know, monsters fighting people and each other. And, and, uh, those books try to try to argue that's, that's actually what's going to happen. And then probably the most, you know, the thing that gets people's attention most of all is a teaching wrapped up with all of that called the rapture Mm -hmm. where there comes a time, according to these people, where God, when, when things get really, really bad or just before they get really, really bad, he's not going to allow his people, true believers to go through all that horrible stuff, the great tribulation, the seven year tribulation at the end. And so he's going to just pluck them out of there. And, and so there's going to come a day, they believe literally when you're going to look around and, there's are going to be Christians just kind of zapped up to heaven to escape the great tribulation. And and some of them will be, you know, airline pilots, you know. So what happens if you're on a plane and your pilot is a Christian and he gets taken? Well, good luck, you know, no pilot and on and on and on, you know. Um, and, and so that teaching of the rapture has, which many, many Christians today still hold, has caused untold. Uh, confusion and again, I, I would say damage to people's faith uh, because it tries to force an interpretation upon Scripture in a literalistic way that we believe is is not at all intended.
0: I find it a bit ironic that the some of the things that that distinguish Lutherans from other Christians is particularly how we look at the Scriptures. And if we interpret them literally or, or read them symbolically, uh, because when it comes to the Lord's Supper, that's certainly something mm-hmm. that there's a distinction between Lutherans and other Christians is that w- w- we believe it literally, it truly is Christ's body and blood. But yet other church bodies, probably many who, who teach <laughs> yep. about these prophecies from a very literal sense— Teach
2: that it's only symbolically Christ's body and blood. Isn't that interesting? That is a great point, Andy. And so <laughs> it's a matter of really getting the Bible right, getting the Bible's intention right. Your example of the the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, shows that those Christians have a way of taking certain passages symbolically. You know, mm-hmm. clearly because because the, cause the passage is about the sacrament, they do that. They say now nah, it's just symbolic there. So it's not like they're not capable, you know, of seeing that the Bible intends certain things symbolically, they just, in our view, have it kind of backwards. They they um, fail to take things literally that are meant to be taken literally and take other things literally that are meant to be taken symbolically. Uh, and that's kind of how you end up with different denominations and different understandings of the Bible. And, uh, you know, we all have to wrestle through this and come to our own conclusions sort of about, what the proper interpretation of Scripture is, but these teachings have have uh, very serious implications. You know, once you kind of make a decision about any of the things we've been talking about, whether the sacraments or the end times, it's going to have an impact on, on how you view God and Christ and the Bible and life. Um, so, so this is a very significant issue that we're talking about today a proper
0: interpretation of the scriptures and that impact on our faith. And we'll continue that conversation with the Reverend Dr. Joel Lamb in just a moment, unless Jesus comes back before then. You're listening to The Coffee <laughs> Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Goldseth.
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Amy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We are discussing The End Times with the Rev. Dr. Joel Leyenbauer, Director of LCMS Commission on Theology and Church Relations, talking about The End Times with uh, so many things going on around us that seem like signs of The End Times. Uh, Asking the question, do these mean something significantly, and what are um, different interpretations of the biblical prophecy of end times? And and before we went to break, talking about some uh, confusion about looking at some things that were intended to be understood symbolically or to be read symbolically in the scriptures, and then uh, what happens when we read them uh, literally, and that leads to confusion and 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 really something that can be detrimental to our faith. Uh, You talked about a proper understanding of the, the scriptures of these prophecies. Let's let's dig into that. Um, and I believe you called this, what, amillennialism earlier. Even though right. I was born before Sarah, that makes me a premillennial. Um, I, I, I guess I'm also thing. an amillennial, not the same thing. <laughs> Uh, that makes me an amillennialist as well. <laughs> so let's take a look at what is a proper understanding of these prophecies? Uh, where would you like to begin with that, Pastor power
2: You know, I'm going to begin here and then we can, just so I don't forget, because uh, I don't think it's been specifically mentioned yet, but um, you mentioned I'm the executive director of the Commission on Theology and Church Relations. Uh, we have a website that has... Um, available all of the documents, really, that the Commission on Theology has published since its formation in 1962. There's over 100 of them there, but there are several very helpful documents on the end times, and uh, one of them was published in 1989 called The End Times, a study on eschatology and millennialism. There is another document that actually responds to those Left Behind series books and movies that you were talking about. So the CTCR has a document on that, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have an interest, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.lcms.org slash CTCR, and you can find those documents and, and read up on them. The, the document on the end times has a section in it, on the signs of the end. Um, I'll I can give you the page numbers. It's pages 20 to 25. And I took a look at that before uh, coming in for the program today, and just, just it was good to review it. And I found it quite helpful as a way of sorting out the Bible's teachings on that issue. Um, it, it talks about three sort of categories of signs of the end. Uh, number one, A sign evidencing actually the grace of God, because one of the signs of the end, according to the Bible, is that the gospel will be proclaimed to the whole world, and then the end will come. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, so before the end will come, says Jesus, the gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. the The trouble is, kind of, well, when when will that be, or when was that, or whatever. You know, it doesn't. It's general enough of course, where it doesn't uh, allow us to say, okay, now, now here, here, that has happened. So the end is going to come. So that's a sign evidencing the grace of God. There are also signs indicating what you can only call divine judgment. And so you get things like um, wars and earthquakes and famines and pestilences and signs in the heavens things that, that really show God's wrath over sin in a fallen world. Uh, so signs of grace, signs of judgment, and then signs of opposition to God, like tribulation for Christians and apostasy and the, and the presence of the Antichrist. So Really, John talks about many Antichrists in the end times. So grace, judgment, and opposition— But the thing about those signs, and they're talked about in many places, Jesus talks a lot about them in the Gospels, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Paul talks about them in places like 2 Thessalonians. The thing about them, though, they're all kind of intentionally general. So that if you think about any of the signs I just mentioned, you can say that they were present in the church and the world of every generation. Even the gospel being proclaimed to all the nations, because that's what the apostles were doing, right? And because it doesn't list the nations and say, you know, here are the nations I'm talking about, you could easily say that the early Christians had every reason to expect the and could come at any time, and they did, right? You know, mm-hmm. they they really didn't think on the basis of what Jesus had told them that the world was going to go on um, beyond their own generation. And Jesus said some things that certainly gave that impression, um, that this was going to be a very short time, um, and then he was going to come back again. Uh, So the purpose of those signs isn't to allow Christians of any generation to either predict the exact time of Christ's coming or to say, well, you know, these things haven't happened, uh, so I know Jesus isn't going to come in my lifetime or anytime soon. And by depicting the signs in that way, they really are meant to help us, not to to scare us or anything or confuse us, to help us. And to help us specifically, I think, avoid two extremes. One extreme would be the extreme of apathy. You know, if the signs were so specific and so concrete that we could say, I'm looking around and I don't see that one. So I guess we don't have to worry about it today or this month or this year. Um, that would be a problem because Christians could easily get apathetic and say, well, at least for a while, I can kind of do what I want to do. And then when it's clear that the end is coming, maybe I better shape up, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other extreme it helps us avoid is is some kind of crazy panic. So that when somebody puts out a book about 88 reasons in 1988, we kind of lose our minds and uh, just kind of stop living. So I think, it's ingenious. I mean, it's also true, but it's ingenious that the Holy Spirit and Jesus uh, uh, give us these signs as very helpful uh, markers for us to live our Christian lives the way He He wants us to live them, but also to avoid the extremes that Christians of every age have seemed to have fallen into, despite the fact that uh, these signs are are presented in Scripture in this in this way that I've talked about.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we look forward to, and we pray for the, the coming of Christ again. So these, some of this is, uh, you know, we, we do have hope that maybe this is the end times, maybe Jesus is coming back because that is, that is what we are looking forward to. Uh, we have just about a minute left. Uh, what, what should we take away from the biblical, true understanding of, of the end times eschatology teaching?
2: Let me go back to those three categories of signs I talked about, signs of grace, judgment and opposition. I would say the takeaways could be linked up to those three. The signs of grace are the gospel is going to be proclaimed to the whole world. So if you want to hasten the end of time, witness for Christ, mm-hmm. share your faith. That will that will be a you know, a a sign itself that you are understanding the importance of that sign. Signs of judgment call us to repentance. So when we see things like Wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, it's not so much that God is judging us personally necessarily, but they do remind us that God takes sin seriously, and so we need to repent and then trust. And opposition, tribulation, apostasy, beware. You know, these are dangerous things, and buck up. Get ready to suffer, to fight. We're the church militant, and it's not unusual or surprising that these things are happening because we were told they were going to happen and that they were going to become more intense as the end draws near. And so who knows? You know, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, I don't worry about it. I don't think, I don't think we're that close now. We might be. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a call to take seriously the, the charge that God has given us to live the lives that he has called us to live and to trust in his grace in Jesus Christ.
0: Amen, amen, amen. And we we pray, come, Lord Jesus. It, mm-hmm. it is good for our Lord uh, to come. That we don't have to live in fear because we have hope. We have hope in Christ. Thank you so much, Dr. Lambauer, for being our guest and for uh, walking us through the important uh, topics on the end times.
2: My pleasure. Anytime.
0: The Reverend Dr. Joel Lambauer, Executive Director, LCMS Commission on Theology and Church Relations. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs>